Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. I just wanted to apologize in advance. We're running into some technical difficulties with our audio quality. It was that crazy Wednesday. Some really good content. Please try to stick in there. Listen to the whole thing. Kelly Bob was great. And maybe you'll learn something about bees. Don't forget to stay tuned to listen to Tom's motivational message. Thanks a lot, and I hope you enjoy. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Close the damn door, man. You're letting all the Wi-Fi out. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you not only by our guest, but by her family. Please welcome Kelly from Twitter. (laughs) Hi, I am Kelly. I'm also from Tanks Paintball uh, in Richmond. We are the preeminent paintball facility in the Houston area. We've been around for about 25 years, so we can take care of all your birthday party, bachelor party, and fun needs. Also, we keep bees. So if you need honey, you can come play paintball and buy locally produced honey. All right. So for today's fun fact of the day, I went out and I was like, what, what, you know, what, what would be, you know, kind of interesting to hear about bees? So I went out and I found a quote and Kelly, you might be able to correct me on this, but it was said that Albert Einstein had said, if the bee disappeared off the face of the earth, man would only have about four years left to live. That is definitely a quote that I've heard. Um, I have heard that it's randomly attributed to Einstein. Nobody seems to be able to prove that, but Nobody, I mean, the fact isn't disprovable. Uh, The few things that would be left to eat, you wouldn't want to keep living to eat. You know, you might as well be dead. You kind of wish you were dead. So just go ahead. (laughs) Wow. What a. The bees. That is the most, uh, you know, welcome to to Wednesday. It's the most (laughs) part day of the week. Do we just hit some hump day trouble? We're all going to die. We're all gonna die if the bees. If if the bees die, so see, we still have some hope. If we can keep the bees, then uh, I believe eighty percent of our diet is pollinated directly by bees or other pollinators. So without them, no more tasty foods. And the things that we eat, like the deer that you shot over the uh, holiday. I I yeah. I did not know that uh, that deer were so dependent on bees as well. That's they are, yeah. The bees are out there um, pollinating all of our grass crops as well. So seed crops, fruit, and vegetables. Well, I feel you know, really, I feel I'll really bad another, for uh, that for that one that I stepped on that stung the bottom of my foot. <laughs> my, That's what you get for stepping on it at my parent-in-law's house it wasn't intentional i was just walking across the patio the thing was down there and it stung my foot it because you stepped on it i'll and tell it, you another it, crazy fact I found better out. you killed it speaking of venom and death it said ounce for ounce honeybee venom is more deadly than cobra venom wow wow i did not know that just blew my mind 
I could have Now died. I'm wondering if there's people that are allergic to cobra venom on top of just how terrible it is. Just like how you can be allergic to a bee sting. Yeah. Like it's unpleasant. If you're allergic, it could kill you. Wouldn't that be terrible if you were like the one dude who randomly has a cobra? There one. Yeah. They, and they probably wouldn't attribute it to him being allergic to it. They just say, oh, probably it's just you know, the venom. Yeah. Probably doesn't even have an EpiPen. That yeah. <laughs> that that guy probably did not have any offspring, so we uh, social Darwinismed him out of the race, and we're all good now. Yeah, perfect. Problem solved. Good job. Yeah. And with that, hello and welcome back to another episode of Hold On, I'm Almost There, a show about life's little annoyances, personal growth, dad life, and so much more. With your host, Uncle Frank. Shane, the old gristle there, and Tom, the gun show, with our special guest, Kelly, from Twitter Bees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I have, um, yeah, my normal uh, Twitter account is going to be Kelly Bob, and then I have a separate B account, uh, Kelly Bob's Bees. All right, so have a seat, do them chores. Or twist a wrench while we dive down the rabbit hole. Normally play music here. We need to take this thing on YouTube, man, because we're all dancing now. Kelly's over there dancing. Tom's looking up something. Shane's over there looking all weird. I don't I don't think this is the group you want to put on video. You'd be surprised what people look at. People buy dirty socks on eBay. They would be more than happy to look at your face. People in quotes. People. He doesn't. He doesn't know those people. He doesn't live with them or have access to their bank accounts. But people do. People Frank, do that. Arkansas people don't count, and I can say that. But they're people. Technically. Right. Right. So let's jump right in. Kelly, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, I have been in the Houston area about 30 years. That's where my family's from. I grew up in Florida. Um, when I met my husband, he um, was involved in paintball kind of recreationally. He had had a paintball field prior that he had sold to some friends. And not too long after we got married, he got an opportunity to take over another paintball field. So he did that, and with time, uh, at one point we had three different fields. We had a paintball store, so I've kind of done a lot of that work along with him. Um, we worked for a manufacturer for a while. We did some international sales, warehousing distribution, stuff like that. Um, and this last field that we purchased in Richmond, at the time, it had cattle on it for the ag exemption, for the tax exemption here in Texas. Um, and as the Richmond Rosenberg area, Sherland area has grown and expanded, the freeway changed a little bit, the access roads changed, and we weren't able to have the cattle on the property anymore. Um, so we were researching different ways to keep the ag exemption, and another paintball field owner had mentioned to us that he had a beekeeper that would uh, put beehives on his property. Um, and so we started researching that. And it just seemed really interesting and something to get into. And it's just kind of become a real passion for me, um, being able to keep the bees on the property and, and manage them. Um, so my husband and I have been together about 24 years now. We've got two kids, a 21-year-old and a 14-year-old. Um, they're both real active in the business. They work at the, uh, the paper field. 
Um, we spend a lot of time together as a family. I think throughout this, it's been really fun for a while. So bees not only uh, helped you find a, an interesting hobby, but it you know kind of helped your business out, huh? It has. It's it's been really interesting. Um, you know, our our bees are kind of segregated from the people part of the business, but the way our you know paintball is, people wander the property. Sometimes we have people camp out, so they're aware that the bees are there. Um, and it's really interesting being able to you know talk to people about it and the questions people have and stuff like that. And the beekeeping community is really interesting in this area as well. It's a lot of really neat people. So are you saying that that bees are anti-human or are, are humans anti-bee? What, what's your take? Uh, I think that bees don't care that we exist at all. We are literally nothing to them in the frame of their existence unless we're in the way of something they directly want. Um, some people are distinctly anti-bee, but other people are passionate about bees. So I think it means in the middle. It seems like more and more people are aware that bees are, you know, an, an animal that we need to take a little bit better care of as a species. You know, something I read uh, while looking up some information for today's show, I read, and maybe you can confirm this or not, I read that bees hate human breath. Have you ever heard that? Okay. Dang, I've bees met some of those people. But, um, they communicate via smell. Um, right. Bees communicate with other bees because the hive is it's pitch black it's dark so right. they rely on pheromones and pheromone receptors um and a lot of these smells that we take for granted are very uh, upsetting to bees uh, for instance bananas if a beehive is disturbed if you open up a beehive if you you know you're a bear you're, you want to grab a bunch of honey when bees panic they release a pheromone that smells exactly like banana candy and that's the way they tell every other bee this is it we are under attack red alert everybody panic um so if you are unfortunate enough to maybe have eaten a banana with your oatmeal for breakfast and you cruise on out to your bee yard you are gonna get the snot whacked out of you yeah it's it's really impressive one of my hives is super angry and grumpy and mean all the time and the minute I the smell is so strong. It smells exactly like banana runs. Wow. It's the strongest, weirdest, perfectly fake banana smell. And that is the red alert to bees. Hmm. Yeah. I, I've read like different hives have like their own personality. Absolutely. And a lot of it is genetic. Um, especially in this area, you know, we all grew up with like the big, scary, the African killer bees movies. And because of the way that bees reproduce, genetics get mixed. Almost all the feral bees in this area have some percentage of Africanized genetics. So you will literally just have bees that are a lot meaner than other bees. You can treat them exactly the same. Doesn't matter. They are just out for bear every time. And then there's other bees that you can open the hive, you can stick your hand in there, you can do whatever you want. They don't care. It's just the genes. All right. Who's playing Who's playing what video games at your house? Because they're hogging up your wireless over there. Okay. Let me step away for a second and go yell at some people. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> 
You know, now I'm going to have to remember not to um, put on my bee-scented banana-flavored deodorant whenever I go into the, the brush. I read they're also attracted to caffeine. So don't oh. drink any coffee out there. Well, I'm a very attractive guy then. <laughs> you have your moments. <laughs> I, won't, I won't take that away from you. Oh, what a sweetheart. But I'm allergic to bananas, so I'm clear on that one. I'm not oh, you're good. I'm not going to bee stings. But yeah, bananas and Twinkies. So bananas and Twinkies. And yeah, there you go. And soy. So I don't know if y'all heard her, but she said that people camp out out there. I wonder how many acres they have. Because, I mean, in a controlled environment, I wouldn't mind taking my kids out there and shooting some Red Rider pellet guns. And, there you go. You know, Are that'd we? be kind of cool. Are we talking a field of dreams thing? Are we gonna make a baseball field or or a maybe maybe she's got a hockey thing going on? Makes. I don't know, man. If it's if it's uh like ten twenty acres out there, pick a big old spot and mow it down and set up a tent. That'd be kind of cool. Make little I, scratchy noises on the side of the tent. Play and, a frisbee uh, golf. Oh God. <laughs> You can't play that out in the country. It's a, no a frisbee, frisbee golf, golf range. It's a That's, frisbee golf range. Yeah, it's a range. Is there such a thing? A frisbee golf range? It's a, it's like a practice set. You know, you just you're just throwing for distance. Oh my goodness. So, Miss Kelly, you had mentioned that y'all have a pretty good amount of space out there, and people camp out there. Is that right? Yeah, if we have special events, um, there'll be themed games that'll last 24 or 48 hours. Um, and sometimes they have a component where you play at night. And then other times we'll just let the people, you know, camp there in between these events. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's not like... A very um, familial atmosphere. Okay, okay. I thought it was like, hey... Um, I've never been camping. I want to <laughs> camp on your acreage there. Um, that would be that'd be kind of cool, you know, like a Fisher Price, my first camping trip in a very uh <laughs> a very controlled area. Uh right. You know, it'd be the perfect place for beginner camping. Cause the the houses directly behind us, uh, I forget the actual name of the neighborhood, but I know a couple Rockets players live back there. Uh, there's a hospital right next door. So you can feel like you're in the wilderness. But you're, you know, not so far out of it. DoorDash still delivers. Oh, oh, I like that camping. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. So <clears throat> in in working with your family, you know, you guys are around each other all the time. Y'all are probably like like the bees themselves, you know, exactly, just right? hovering all over each other. Da-dum, uh you know what's that like what you know do y'all kind of get on each other's nerves are y'all oh, absolutely. testing each other on each other's patience anybody gets absolutely stung? um you know like anything else when you're around people too much you start to get a little irritated the the family business part of it that i've found to be the most annoying is you know you do your job you go home your boss isn't sitting on the couch right next to you. And right before you go to bed, your boss doesn't roll over and go, did you remember to file that report with whatever, you know, as you're drifting off? 
Um, so you do have to be really good at kind of managing. This is not the time for that. Um, but that's hard because especially with a family business, you know, you're naturally an entrepreneur. Mm. You think about it all the time. You think about what's tomorrow. You think about this cool new idea you've got, but you have to be much more aware of when you need to turn it off and just be someone's dad or some mom or, you know, especially with the kids, they'll be mad at dad for something he did, you know, that day at work. And you have to be like, okay, I know you're mad at your boss, but your boss is also my husband. So if finding that middle ground where everybody is meeting their roles and getting their needs met is a little bit of a challenge. Is that something y'all said that, you know, like basically y'all sat down and said, look, once we step inside the house, business is outside I wish we were that organized. (laughs) Um, Usually, you know, you come home from work, like you decompress, right? Right. You tell your family Mm -hmm. what happened at work. If three of the people in your family were there with you that day, there can be a little bit of like, I just, I I don't want to relive this. Um, But we've gotten a lot better over the years at communicating that with people. Like, you know what, that happened, it's done, it's over. Or, you know, I did this, but I didn't do this as your dad. I did this as the person who owns this business. Um, You do. I think you have to communicate a lot more. And especially with teenage kids, you know, it's so normal to find them becoming people that maybe you don't recognize. You don't have as much in common with them. You don't have that common ground. And this has been one way that we are very close, you know, for their ages compared to us. Um, we just, we have these great relationships with them, but it is really something you have to work at. Right. So you can just, you're fired, but I still love you. <laughs> I, we have literally, yeah, my eldest, uh, has gotten herself fired from the family business. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and my youngest is currently on a sabbatical, you know, obviously with everything that's going on with school and stuff right now, it's really, really hard. And she came to us and said, look, is it okay if I just don't work on the weekends anymore? We were like, well, you know. <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's been like the household joke that that she quit. <laughs> I um, thought you were going to say y'all put her on a performance improvement plan or something. <laughs> we have absolutely <laughs> written up our own children. Yeah, yeah, we have. It's in your yeah, permanent yeah. record. It's in your file now. And we'd like you to sign a copy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My goodness. That's you you put her on a 30, 60, 90 in 90 days. We're going to need you to shape up. Exactly. And the drug testing is really, <laughs> it is, it is the thing I recommend all parents get on. <laughs> I, I drug tested Frank last week and he failed. I got a 68, just barely. Oh, <laughs> you didn't grade on a curve? That's rude. <laughs> God, uh, man. What's what's some of like the craziest shenanigans that you've seen people get into there with all the paintball or, you know, just crazy. I'm, I'm sure there are just you talk about overnight competitions or nighttime competitions. Um, has anybody gotten crazy and just rampage and shot people in the testicles or like <laughs> well, I mean, and wanted to play or Tuesday. wild? Um, you know, I. Like anything else, there's always people in a group, you know, a hobby group where there's always like one or two people where the rest of you go, what in the world? 
Um, and it, it's when we do like special games, a lot of times, you know, they have a theme, they have an organizer. And so you will occasionally get people that are just more into the theme than I think is sane. Um, lucky it's, you know, maybe, uh, like we've done, um, like video, video game themed stuff before, and that's fun. Um, it's when you get to stuff that's maybe uh, like war themed or themed, you know, from an actual military perspective that sometimes people just make me a little nervous. Um, so, generally, paintball is just an amazing group of people, though. It, it tends to be a really, really close knit group of just fun, nice families. So do you ever get that guy that that has decided uh, for for the team his purpose is to be the sniper and he's going to just camp camp out and try and take people out from a distance? You ever get that guy? Um, anytime somebody asks me what I do and I mention paintball and the next thing out of their mouth involves the word sniper, I will really? immediately backpedaling. Um, I just I want to be out of the room. Um, the worst. <laughs> absolute worst uh when i was younger um i had a heart problem and i had to go get all of these you know medical tests done it was really scary right people are telling you your heart doesn't work right and one of the tests was a cardiac ultrasound so i'm in this room and it's really dark and the technician comes in and i'm going to take my shirt off and He's got a thing and he's, you know, ultrasounding over my heart. And, you know, I'm I'm endowed and I'm a girl. And he's got one hand, you know, moving girl parts out of the way. And it feels intimate, but it's scientific. And he asked me what I do. And I stupidly say I own a paintball field. And without missing a beat, he starts telling me about this amazing bachelor party. You want to do this one time, dude. And, like, I, like, climbed a tree. And I was, like, sniping from the tree. And meanwhile, like, one of his hands is holding one of my private areas <laughs> and I'm staring at him while he's telling me this amazing like super cool sniper story and I'm just thinking surely I'm dead and this is hell because this is so incredible <laughs> like not the time sir not the time <laughs> um, anybody who's ever played paintball casually has that one amazing paintball story that they just have to tell you I don't know. That's that's pretty wild, though. Like, he is probably just, in, you know, he doesn't realize what he's yeah, doing. No, there's nothing to him. It's another day at work. Like, oh, this yeah. is cool. I have this oh cool story. God. And I'm just thinking, so your hand is cold, and I am not that interested. <laughs> I heard the story 12 times from other people. I promise. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, so, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, you know, talking about being a boss and a mom and it just not going away. Um, and I mean, God, you know, how long are you guys mad at each other for before, you know, like, <laughs> is it days, weeks, you know, what, what is those, what are those stretches look like? You know, I've sort of dragged my family kicking and screaming into emotional maturity um, because they very much are like the, you know, yeah, I get mad at you and I'm out about it for a couple of days. And we had to like literally sit down and I have to be like, this doesn't work. You can't 
this isn't an office where you can just ignore, you know, Karen who didn't refill the coffee pot for a couple of days until you calm down. Like you have to use your big boy words and say, this is wrong the way you did this or this upset me. And the other person gets to say, this is why I did this and I'm sorry, or I'm not sorry. And you have to get past it. You know, we can't look for a new job somewhere else and leave the company, you know? We can't get mad and fire the person that we live with. So you do. I think our conflict resolution skills are really on point. We're never going to be like those people that you see on a reality TV show. They're screaming at each other all the time. Like that to me is just a psychotic way to live. Now, Um, At the end of the day, my team, these are my people and I have to respect them. What if one of one of your kids did leave and they were like, you know what, we're going to go to the competitive beekeeper uh, paintball people uh, down the road um, because we've learned all we can from you. And quite frankly, you know, we're ready to 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 fly uh, like like baby birds into the other. Leave the hive. Yeah. Leave the hive. Go to. Would you just smack them around a little bit, or would you would you uh, respect their choice to leave the uh, exact competitor? You know, I would absolutely say that I respect their choice. Um, <laughs> on the outside, I would be very mature about it. Um, to be honest, people as an industry is very, it's such a weird niche industry that you know every other person that's in it. You've probably known them for at least 20 years. Um, you have a story about that one tournament we went to and that guy cheated and didn't get caught and you hated that person for like six years, but you forgave him later on. Like it is so small town. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I'm trying to imagine like my kids going somewhere and being like, I'm going to go work for, you know, so-and-so. Um, it would probably work great. I would be like, that is awesome. You can teach them lots of good stuff. But inside, I'd be like, "Crap, boy." So, so would you. would you would you shun them if they went to a different uh, type of business? Let's say one of them decided they're going to be a social worker, and you'd be oh, like, I would yeah. be so happy. Be like, "Good luck I'm with that," be because bees, bees are dope, and you're dumb. They kind of are. Um, you know, like anything else, like you want your kids to be successful. I would love it if my kids would you know, go to college and get a good degree in some kind of awesome business that doesn't depend on not having bad weather. You know, at the end of the day, like I love my industry, but it's very whim driven. You know, we're mostly um, uh, marketed to younger dudes. So everybody might really love playing paintball this year, but next year it's an old boring thing. And so we're going to have a year where absolutely nobody wants to play paintball. I want my kids in an ideal world to grow up and be something boring and secure and stable because this, this works for us and I enjoy it. But the challenges of having a business that you can't depend on, you know, um, like, like when we got COVID, we had to shut down for, I think, almost 90 days. Uh, Hurricane Harvey, we were flooded out for six weeks. You know, I would love for my kids to make more responsible decisions rather than everybody says, uh, you know, follow your your passion, man. Do what makes you happy. Also, do what pays the bills consistently. That's a cool idea, too. They aren't always the same thing. 
Well, with that being the case, do you have to concentrate even more on having like a social media presence or, you know, making extra effort to try to attract more people or? Definitely. You have to go out of your way to find what you do really, really well. Um, in our case, we are so lucky um, because we have been in this industry for so long. There's times where people will hear our business name and they'll go, oh, you know, I remember going to one of your fields when I was a kid and now I'm looking for a place to take my kids to go play. Right. So we're really in this community. You know, we aren't fly by night, um, but we've also put an enormous amount of work into our facilities. I don't believe there's another paintball field in the area that has, for example, actual like flush toilet bathrooms. You know, we've had to do a little bit more um, to cater to a specific clientele. Um, but you do you have to find your, your niche. You can't just show up and say, yeah, whatever, I can do it. You have to find your particular brand um, and work it. Dang. So what kind of, um, like, for your kids, you know, you, you talked about you know, growing up and find something, finding something boring to do. So as a kid, you know, my dad and my uncle, they, they had their own business and I worked, I, I remember, you know, starting out working, you know, when I was like in the third grade, probably just sweeping the place up, putting up tools, cleaning things, you know, but when I did get to go out on jobs with them, um, I learned a lot about uh, interacting with people, you know, because, you know, my uncle had to be a salesman and, and so did my dad. You know, their knowledge base was what sold them because a lot of it was word of mouth. Right. And so I wonder what kind of, you know, skills your kids are developing from having to socialize and having to do that customer service and you know, things like that, you know, I just, what, what have you seen them grow into? You talk about, um, watching them develop and, and understanding that they're not, um, these little babies anymore. You know, they're, they're developing into grown people that you will soon send out into the world and, you know, be an extension of you and your husband. Right. And it's amazing to me. I mean, obviously, a lot of our employees tend to be teenagers, you know, young adults. And I look at my kids and the confidence that they have, you know, even my 14 year old can speak to an adult like another adult. Um, they're very cognizant, at least in our business, that, you know, not that they're in charge, but in a situation where, you know, a 45-year-old comes up to them and says, hey, I want to do this. How do I do this? My 14-year-old can absolutely take the situation and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to handle this problem. This is what you need to do. You know, they have this confidence that I think is very unusual when you're dealing with strangers for kids that age. You know, we have kids coming to us that need a job that can't look somebody in the eye when they're talking to them or, you know, even simple stuff, like not mumbling, not, um, you know, dropping profanity whenever you feel like it. Um, but they also have a sense of pride in what they do. You know, this is, this is my business. This is my family legacy. Um, but in, this isn't the only job. My 21 year old has worked outside of our company before 
And it was so funny to hear the way she would talk about her coworkers. Like, they just don't, they don't care about doing anything right. They don't care about this. They don't care about that. And they have that sense and still that sense of ownership. Like, you know, my job is important to me. My work is who I am as a person. This is what I do. This is what I contribute. Um, they are, I mean, it's so weird. They're, they're amazing little worker bees, my children. Um, <laughs> they're very good at, you know, knowing what needs to be done and taking responsibility to do it. Okay, so, awesome. So who is the, uh, who's the drone bee in your family? <laughs> I mean, scientifically speaking, it would have to be my husband because um, the drone bee only has one job and my husband did it twice. Um, uh, n- now, unlike your average drone bee, I'm not going to kick him out of the hive when winter comes because I don't feel like feeding him. Mm-hmm. Um, we let him come home whenever he wants, basically. But <laughs> an option. Someday the hive might shut. And you're not pulling your weight. When we don't need you anymore, out you go. Oh, man. That's heavy duty. That's savage, yeah. <laughs> savage. Golly. What happened, Shane? I thought you looked like you were going to say something, so I like, oh, had to no. look away for a second. Oh. No, 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 no. I was, I was trying to uh, – I was imagining her kicking her husband out because he's not – patrolling properly as a drone bee <laughs> and she's just like you know what you're done son you're done right. we need the resources that's right it's winter hey, i've got i've got a question for you i mean every time you go to a walmart or go to some grocery store there's always that guy with a truck with all these <laughs> bottles of, of local honey right are these guys legit most of them are not i mean i always want to buy it because i'm thinking yeah this is good it's going to be great for my allergies right. and stuff but then i'm like man this is just a scam um your instincts are good oh. uh you know the specific guy in the truck i i don't know i do know beekeepers right. that make a really large amount of honey but every beekeeper knows where you can buy honey in bulk right. um you can really just buy five gallon drums of honey and i would use air quotes around the honey because once right. it's done on a commercial or an industrial scale there's actually counterfeit honey right. um huge business if you look at the numbers, yes. yeah it's, it's huge it's basically unstoppable um and it it is happening it is it is a thing it is fake what, honey what guarantee you go to any grocery store and you're looking at fake honey right. what is what is fake honey made out of um well the difference i mean Honey is sugar syrup, right? Right. The difference is it's honey because a bee was involved in making it. When the bees go out and they gather the nectar, the nectar they actually store it inside their bodies. They come back to the hive. They give it to another bee. That bee stores it inside its body. They move it around the hive until they get to the little cell, you know, the hexagon where they drop it in and it becomes honey. Um other countries have found ways to basically take huge amounts of bees, feed them sugar water. As soon as that sugar water gets in the hive, they pull the hive, harvest the sugar water, dehydrate it so that it has the right um, consistency, and then sell that as honey. That's criminal. That's criminal. It is, and it's so incredibly high tech the way that it's done that really the only way to figure out if the honey you have 
Um, I think you have to look for certain types of pollen grains under like an electron scanning microscope. Oh my God. And that's how the, the USDA will do it. And the countries that produce it will then package it as something else, send it off to another country. It goes through three or four countries before it ends up right. getting labeled as honey and on our shelves. I saw something like a, a 20, it was like a show like 2020, something they did an episode on it and it was just crazy. The, uh, it's what fascinating. That, it's a billion dollar industry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it absolutely is. There's no way the math doesn't work. There aren't enough bees on the planet to make enough honey for all the stuff that's sold as honey. Right. It just doesn't. Somebody somewhere is making fake honey. So I've 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 probably had fake honey my whole life. You, but More you might likely. Have. Probably. If you're not buying it from that guy on the truck, then you're not <laughs> buying real honey. Um, so there are there... a lot of programs to try and get beekeeper certified. Like there's a, a couple here in Texas where you can go to websites and find a specific, you know, they're guaranteed they are making honey here in Texas. Um, but this stuff that you're seeing in the little squeezy packet at KFC when you ask for honey with your biscuit, uh, it probably didn't come out of a bee. Yeah. Gosh, I feel so lied to. It's, it's violated, yeah. What's the difference when you do go to the store? You see honey, you see royal jelly, beeswax. What's the difference in these? Oh, man. Royal jelly. Royal jelly is so cool. Uh, don't eat it. That's gross. It's not for you. It's a bee. <laughs> uh, so the queen bee is cruising along, right? She's laying eggs. That's her job. She lays an egg. Um, the nurse bees come along, and as soon as that egg hatches, it's a larvae. It looks like a little maggot. It's super tiny and gross. They give that larvae a little bit of royal jelly. Basically, uh, they secrete it out of a gland in their head. And it's got some carbohydrates. It's got a little bit of protein. That's what that little maggoty wormy thing eats for a couple days. Then they cap over the little maggoty wormy guy, just like a caterpillar forms a chrysalis. And out comes a butterfly. But in 21 days, out comes a fully grown adult bee. And that adult bee turns around, it cleans out its little cell so the queen can come and lay another egg. And then that bee becomes the nurse bee and secretes royal jelly. Um, and royal jelly is what the queen eats her whole life. She's fed royal jelly. That's what she eats. And it's basically, um, yeah, the like uh, nectar and honey will provide the carbohydrates. Royal jelly uh, is just a better protein. That's it. It's it's a bee. It's bee food. It's made out of a gland in their head. Oh, and after like a week, that gland dries up, and that bee goes and does another job. She can't make royal jelly anymore. What an right? inefficient way to survive. I mean, I think how have bees lived this whole time? That just seems like the worst way to go about an ecological system. Well, because well, everybody's doing their part. Didn't you hear that yeah. part where that bee I did hear cleans that. out its room? That's basically first, the first thing it does. Like, hello, welcome to the planet. Oh, hang on, let me clean out my room so you can make more of me. It's amazing, yeah. and then it immediately takes care of the uh, of the other baby bees. That is crazy. They know what their job is. They just do it, and after a week, they have a new job. And then a couple of days, they do a different job. And their bodies physically change. They are not the same a week. That gland that makes that royal jelly dries up and goes away. And then a gland forms on their abdomen that actually makes beeswax. And that's going to make beeswax 
as soon as that starts, then the bee's job is to help make honeycomb. And then the gland dries up and they go become a forager. They leave the hive and they go fly away and gather up stuff. Oh my goodness. Right? It's wild. They're like literally growing new organs every couple days. Okay. Like people don't do that. No, you, I just, do. you just have what you showed up with. That's it. These are your yeah. tools for your whole life. I do that. Well, something yeah. I thought was crazy too was uh, a. <laughs> And I don't know if this is true, if you can confirm this. It said bees don't – they don't – they're not born knowing how to make honey that other bees have to teach them how to make honey. Uh, yeah, to them, I mean, they're not making honey. They're just going about the business of the hive. Right. So the foragers gather the nectar, um, and they bring it back, and then – the bees that are actually, uh, they're called house bees. And that's when they're at the stage in their life where they only stay in the hive. They're collecting that and then depositing it in the um, in the honeycomb. And when it comes in, it's about 80% water. So the bees that are in the hive are constantly fanning their wings to help evaporate that water. Because it's not honey until it's between 14 and 17% water. So again, that's part of the jobs the bees are doing. They're cooling and um, bringing air into the hive and pushing air out of the hive to keep the moisture content right. Okay, so for starters, A, um, that's insane. Uh, and number two, how old does a bee have to be before they get into that retirement stage where they're going to lay around the hive and just flap their wings? <laughs> yeah. I thought um, that was a beginning stage. She said that yeah, was a that's no, that's the That's the job you get before you get to fly out because they're exercising their wing muscles. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. They, Stages, uh, man. Stages. When they're first Stay born, attention. they don't have the musculature how, to fly. How long um, does a bee live? What's the lifespan of a bee? In the summer, you're looking at a short uh, three to four weeks. Oh, six weeks because they're um, they're working so hard. They don't waste energy on regenerating. Um, you know, you're out flying around, your wings get a little torn up. Well, that's kind of the end of you, buddy. We got more bees to make. Like you're not, we're not fixing you. Um, winter bees, uh, when the queen starts laying eggs in the fall, those bees are actually again physically different from the rest of the bees. They tend to be fatter. They tend to be bigger, and they can live up to three months because their lives are distressed. Um, but summer bees, they just burn through it. You're looking at okay, okay. I think I think the important part here that I have to know is okay. So we have a lifespan of, of about three weeks, right? The queen bee, like how how does that happen? They have to replace the queen bee periodically. Is there a fight to the death? Um, are they chucking spears at each other? Like, what's going on? How do they determine who's going to be the next queen bee? Like, that's so, quite a hierarchy. It's amazing. So a queen bee is born a queen bee. Like, she doesn't, there's not a vote. She's not out there lobbying. There's no swimsuit competition. Basically <laughs> born differently than the other bees. So technically the queen is in charge of the hive. She's running around. She's laying eggs. Um, she can't even feed herself. All the other bees feed her. They take her waste away. When the bees that attend the queen, for whatever reason, if they think this isn't working, like she's not laying as well anymore, or we don't have enough bees, or conversely, we have too many bees, they decide to make a new queen. So she's just cruising along, laying eggs, doing her things. 
And when they decide they need a new queen, they will take one of those eggs that she just laid. They'll feed it the royal jelly, but they will continue to feed it royal jelly. And that particular egg, when it hatches, will be a queen. She has different organs than the rest of the bees. She has a different body shape. She doesn't do any of the things the other bees does. That's it. She is born a queen. And they because set of the royal up jelly. Six of them. Yes, because of the royal jelly. If you were to take um, a bee larvae and um, feed it royal jelly after a certain window, it's just going to be a fat regular bee. Yeah. You have so, to do like this particular process that they instigate. Um, and when the first queen is born, as soon as she comes out of the cell, she'll immediately walk around. And if there's other queen cells, because, you know, they're hedging their bets, uh, the first thing she will do is drive her stinger through all of them to eliminate the other queens before the hatch. Oh, that's now, brutal. Well, once they make this new queen, what is the, is like the old, is this done behind the old queen's back? Is she like, it's like, she is not involved. They're not talking to her about it. They've just decided. And that can kind of depend on why. Um, If it's just the time of the year when bees swarm, they'll raise up a new queen. And then half the bees from the hive will take off with her to go form a new colony. We relieve some of the the stress on the colony we have now. You know, we just had too many. Y'all need to move out. Um, if it's a performance issue, like she's not laying well anymore. This is they, like Game of um, her. for real. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Because yeah. like... beekeepers will come in and they'll requeen their hives uh, every one to two years. So if the bees don't take care of this themselves, then you have to go in and find your queen, and you have to completely decide. Very right, so, so, uh, so, so I gotta a lot, ask this. So question. a lot like the U.S. government. It is very <laughs> similar. Much like so, it. So what do they do with the old queen once this over you know overthrow has happened? Do they kill the mm-hmm. old queen? Does she does she forced to leave, or they just take off with their new queen? She, she if they decide if they're keeping her. if they're keeping the new queen, then the new queen will kill the old queen because you cannot have more than one queen and hive. Oh, if the intention is to spawn a new hive, then they just ignore each other for a couple days until everybody's got their traveling plans, and then the new queen is off with a portion of the hive. Okay, hold on. I have to understand what it looks like for uh, the the uh, predecessor queen bee and the current queen bee to fight like do they do they oh there's videos on youtube it's pretty grody um they have they have stingers (laughs) but they they have stingers stingers come off when they sting though right i mean not for the queen the barbs on the queen stinger are much smaller so they don't tend to get trapped so a queen can sting repeatedly Um, and pretty much Ever sting is another queen. The queen doesn't help defend the hive. So what happens if you have a if you have a uh, an upstart queen bee come over to the current queen bee and the current queen bee stings stings her and kills her? Does that ever happen, or is it always a natural symbiosis of the new queen bee just kind of wins? No, that, I mean it would totally depend. Like as a beekeeper, I you can requeen your hive. Say you have uh, bees that are really badly performing or they're super mean. Um, if you change the queen within a generation, you've changed the entire genetics of the hive. So Crazy. you can you know, purchase a queen that's been bred for a specific purpose, 
and put her in your hive. Um, Hold on. You can so either that... sort of and hope the new one wins, or you have to kill the old one. So you've got you've got people out there that specialize in breeding just kick-ass queen bees that are going to stab oh, yeah. the heck out of stuff. They can tell you the lineage. What? They can oh my tell God. you. They can absolutely. There are bees that people can tell you. These bees are descended from X strain of bees that a certain pastor raised in 1907. Yeah, beekeepers do amazing record keeping. In fact, a lot of um, uh, climate information that people have found, you know, we can say, oh, this is the wettest winter since 1812. A lot of that kind of information comes from journals from people who kept bees and tended farms because they kept track of everything. Do you have any, uh, do you have any Machu Picchu bees flying around there? Like, do you have any, like who's, where's the badass bees grown? Yeah. Are, are we, uh, like, uh, you know, Central America? What, what, where, where is, where's the jujitsu of bee people? Like, where's that happen? There's really amazing Hawaiian bees Ooh. that people are very excited about. Um, currently people are breeding bees to be virus resistant and mite resistant because there's a lot of little creepy things that keep trying to kill bees. Um, some of them are more resistant to it than others. So that's what people are breeding for nowadays is um, uh, they call them hygienic bees. Um, and there's actually quite a few breeders here in this area that have got really good established lines. Um, and a lot of it depends on where you live, what your weather's like, you know, bees that work really great down here aren't going to work really great in Wisconsin. Um, so it tends to be yeah, so, so speaking of that, Wisconsin how does the future of bees look? <laughs> um, you know, everybody knows that the bees are having a really hard time and people are worried about bees. Conversely, that's meant a lot more people have gotten into beekeeping, um, which is kind of cool, kind of good for bees. Um, a lot of people are more aware that, you know, bees need some help. A lot of people are more aware of, um, you know, even the landscaping at your house. Hey, let's plant some, you know, flowers that bees like or, you know, things that pollinators really like. Um, people are a lot more aware of the importance of regulating pesticides now because that's actually the bees' biggest problem. When people talk about colony collapse disorder, things like that, very often it's pesticide-based. Um, so I think, I think bees are looking up. People like bees again. People know why bees are important and people have heard that bad things are happening. So even if they aren't, you know, working to make it not happen, at least they're aware. Right. So bees are, bees are going to be okay. I certainly hope so, man. I don't want to four years. That's tough. But before anybody says anything, I've been waiting to ask this question. So be quiet. (laughs) And I'm somewhat serious but halfway joking is there a secret word you say to another uh like let's say we do find old joe out there with the pickup truck and you say this uh the secret phrase you know like uh i don't know pumpernickel something or other and they give you the finest jar of honey that they have. Like, is that a thing? You know, they he's like, oh, I've been saving this one. These oh, yeah. bees got Good into question. a patch of, you know, uh, honeysuckle this summer. And it's just amazing, amazing honey. Nothing. So you're you're asking me 
to tell you the secrets of the beekeeping association. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Say it go. out loud where yeah. anybody can hear it. After yeah. I've told you my name and where the beekeepers could find me. Well, I think I think you have to realize there's only about 38 people that listen and half of them are in Germany. <laughs> so you're not giving away any trade secrets here. We're going to keep it on the, da- the DL. Oh, man. I can't believe you guys didn't it's call me on to talk about us. David Hasselhoff's music. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I would say it any time if you ever or whatever, just ask them, you know, what kind of honey is this? What, you know, what was blooming? Because usually a beekeeper can tell you, oh, you know, this is um, uh, from, see, the best honey I ever had was from cotton flowers. Um, and there's a couple beekeepers in this area who are lucky enough to have hives near, I don't know, cotton field, I guess that's why they grow. Um, and that honey is phenomenal but weirdly it crystallizes really really fast um mm-hmm. so if you can get on it it's probably going to be kind of solid in the jar and look like manky um but it is phenomenal honey really good i don't i don't know the secret word to make sure you've got a real person um but if you ask a beekeeper any kind of random question and they don't shut up for 20 minutes you know you've got the real deal because <laughs> they will Mm-hmm. Good night. I'm I'm about to ask a bunch of questions of that guy by the taco stand. You should. Now he's probably legit. I'm gonna be honest, because I mean the taco stand. Come on, there could yeah. be no honeypot happening by the taco stand. You go get your huevos and him on, and uh, <laughs> and get your get your honey. Give me some ham on, come some need- yell. <laughs> Give it to my Nile. <laughs> When you see these big, I see the big jars in, in H-E-B. They're selling the honey. It's got the piece of honeycomb in it, and it yeah. looks delicious. Are you supposed to eat that? I got to be honest. I don't know why people get so excited about honeycomb. It's wax, man. It's wax. It's not tasty. Um, if you eat it. It looks okay, I guess. Um, it's not pleasant to put in your mouth. Like I know I, where it came from. See, that's, I disagree because I've had uh, some honeycomb out of one of those jars, and it allowed me to commune with the Anunnaki. Oh no! Oh. oh no! You've been gone for too long. You were out there communicating with them while you were hunting. I'm sure that was your excuse. But now that I know that there is such a thing as uh faux honey and counterfeit honey i don't know that that chunk of wax or honeycomb that you're getting in there isn't uh man-made too so i mean i guess you know if it if it looks good that could tell you that but um yeah i'm not i'm not a fan of eating the stuff bees make their houses out of that just does not appeal to me it's it's actually the bottom of some guy's shoe it looks like it doesn't it Oh, yummy. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much, Kelly, for being on. Tom, I'm going to let you have it for a minute for your motivational moment. Hopefully everyone stuck around because this is La Pace de Resistance. Uh, the piece of honeycomb in the sweet honey that you've used the secret password to get. The guy pulled it out of his treasure chest to give to you. Take it away, Tom. All right. Look, we all have it. We all hear it. 
It's that little voice in our head that whispers to us. It urges us, trying to compel us to do something. It's that lingering voice, constantly whispering in our ear that never seems to go away. Listen to that voice. That's the universe. That's God whispering to you. It's telling you there's something meant for you to do that it needs you to do. The problem is so many of us ignore that voice, that calling, that thing it's telling us to do. It's often what we wish we were doing, but it seems silly or unrealistic, a dream we think we can never realize. I don't have time for that right now. I can't make a living in a career doing that. It's how we try to quiet that voice, but it doesn't quiet. It keeps gnawing at us, picking at us. Still, we try to ignore it. We go on about our boring lives and we go to our boring jobs that never give us fulfillment. We're unhappy and we can't figure out why. It's because we're not doing what we truly want to do, what we were meant to do, what we need to do. I know firsthand because I ignored that voice. Over a decade, in fact, I refused to listen, even though I was so unhappy where I was at. It seemed like too much work. I just couldn't see a way. Besides, I already had two jobs and a career most people would think was fulfilling, but it wasn't. Not for me. I was going to jobs that were nothing like the dreams of the life I'd always wanted. No matter how many people I'd helped, no matter how many lives I saved, I couldn't find a way to help myself and find real happiness until I finally gave in to that voice. I began taking steps. I started pushing myself, and slowly I started gaining momentum. They say if you follow that voice, if you announce to the universe that you will follow that calling to your true happiness, the universe will conspire to make it happen. Now I'm starting to see the truth in that. Classes I didn't realize were available and affordable began to appear. I got quarantined, was filled with an impulse to make the most of that time and knock out the six-month courses in a matter of weeks. Something kept driving me to just keep going and not take the time off. Opportunities began to pop up everywhere that I hadn't even bothered to look before. In the midst of a time when most people were busy complaining and wallowing in fear, I got busy working, even harder than I'd ever done, and it didn't even seem like work. That voice told me to appreciate my jobs because I would use those experiences to help others. That voice, it told me to get serious about my writing because it would help me to share my message. That voice told me to get even more focused in the gym. And with my diet, if others were to look to me to set the example, I could feel things were being set into motion. I was gaining more confidence that I could actually make a difference and that I would. The silly dreams of my past were suddenly seeming possible. One day out of the blue, I got a strange message offering me an opportunity that at first I was going to decline. It didn't seem like something that would be up my alley. But then that voice came again. It told me to take that opportunity I was offered, and I did. That decision has led me right here, right now, telling you to listen to your voice, telling you that the universe wants you to do something, that you have something to share. Understand, it's your obligation, it's your duty to listen to that voice and share what was meant for you to do. The world, the universe is counting on you. If you don't, you'll never have true happiness and peace. That voice will never stop and the gnawing will never go away. Listen. You'll hear that voice telling you what to do. You can do it. You need to do it. Now go do it. Amen. My voice tells me to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> You're a tired guy. My you voice tells me those, those, uh, I, those I, beat bites on YouTube. I, just I know. Heard... <laughs> I got to check that out. Yeah, that's about to happen immediately after this call. <laughs> I'm going to find a good one and put it in the, in the, uh, in the notes. 
That's crazy. Yeah, I turned 46 uh, yesterday. And, oh, happy birthday. Thank you. And so... <laughs> Uh, yesterday, I think, I think today's yesterday actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, all all day I just wanted to nap. I was like, this, this is a horrible birthday. I just want to sleep. Why, why do I have to be at work? Why do I have to do stuff? I don't want to do things. It's my birthday. Um, Well, you know, they used to have those flea circuses. If she had these put on these queen bee fights, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe all the fascinating stuff I talked about and you're just bee snuff films. From hive A matches off against from the queen from hive B. It's going to be an all out, you know, Oh yeah, yeah we're going to have to have names for these bees. You know, you've got, uh, Queen Bee Beatrice, and she's yeah. she's going up against the uh, uh, martial art bee, you know, <laughs> Claremont or or Daisy or I mean, you're gonna have to name them after flowers, obviously, you know. So we have, oh, I- obviously, yeah, right, yeah. I mean, all of my bees are named Beyonce, so there you, they you can Beyonce. you can name your bees after flowers. Oh. Making the <laughs> finest honey because somebody put a ring on it. <laughs> too old. Just, just like the song says, you nailed it. You I just want to see. I just want to see two bees have a dance off. <laughs> Would they do the macarena? God, I hope not. Aww, <laughs> you're no fun. All right, cool. So, where can we find you? Do you have a website, Kelly? Uh, yeah, we are at uh, tankspaintball.com. And that is the that's where we keep everything related with the businesses. Oh, so okay. that is one stop shop. Right. I think, thank oh, you so I, much for having me on today, guys. Thank oh, you for thank you. that was very informative. I I really enjoyed that. Thank you. I really hope somebody gets inspired to start taking care of some bees out in the field or Oh, I hope so. I tell you what, I will just plug in that if anybody, you know, is interested in bees, um, your local county, your local city has a beekeepers association, and there is nothing those nerds will be happier to do than to teach you everything you ever want to know about bees and help you become a beekeeper. If that thing, if that's a thing that you think you want to do, just go ask a beekeeper, and they will they will get you into it like it is Amway or Scientology. Wow, it is the easiest thing in the world to get into. Awesome, nice. I like how you called everybody nerds. <laughs> oh, nerds, on we are. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey man, you got to be nerdy about something, or else you ain't living. That's right? true. I think everybody's so, got one thing that they're nerdy about. That's what makes it great. It's like for for initiation into these uh, beekeepers association. Do you have to get stung like four times? Oh, I can't tell you about the ceremonies. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, You're trying to trick me. Uh, You're trying oh, to get man. me killed. It's, how I many? Think you understand, man? How many bee-related tattoos do you have? Um, I I have one. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. I just haven't think about it. I was like, wait, how many? Do I have one. I do. I one. <laughs> only one that's related to bees, but like 85 others that are related to wasps. 
<laughs> uh, don't even say the name. <laughs> Sharks and jets nonsense up in here now. <laughs> don't even talk about wasps out there wearing a bee's outfit but being mean for no good reason. Yeah, no, wasps you. suck. Terrible. That's so much. They're the worst. They don't even make anything. They don't. Nothing comes out of their body that you can eat on toast. No. Well, that's then just that's rude. just that's useless. I'm against that. Exactly. <laughs> Same here. All right. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, thanks to Tom Gunshow over there for his uh, inspiration. Thanks, Shane, for showing up. It was, it was good to have you back. Amen. And thank you so much, Kelly, for giving us this information about bees and working with family and just hanging out. Um, man, it is good times. Hopefully, somebody picks some good stuff out of this. Thank you so much, y'all. Awesome. Well, we'll talk to y'all later. Have a good night. Boop, 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 boop. Stay sharp, everybody. Thanks. Bye.